It's difficult to get through life and not be affected by cancer. Whether you hear the words, you have cancer, or someone you know, cancer is part of us all. When confronted, where do you turn? What are the treatment options? What happens next? C-Sessions with Randall Broad seeks to answer the questions with patients, physicians, providers, policy experts, and key individuals skilled in providing answers. In the process, C-Sessions improves communication on both sides of the stethoscope. Welcome. I'm Randall Broad, and this is C-Sessions. My guest today is Dr. Jerry Radich, who is a member of the Clinical Research Division at the Molecular Oncology Lab and the Kurt Insline Endowed Chair at the Fred Hutch Cancer Research Center here in Seattle, Washington. He's also a professor of medicine at the UW Medical School of Medicine. On top of that, he is the chair of the Leukemia Translational Medicine Committee of the Southwest Oncology Group. Jerry, it's quite an esteemed bio you've got there. Thank you for joining us. Thanks. I learned about Jerry. He did a TEDx talk about four years ago, and it was quite interesting. I, I was completely drawn in by it. And since he's been studying all sorts of good things on the biology of cancer, he had the title called The Biology of Luck. How did you come up with The Biology of Luck? Uh, yeah, well, so for years, my whole entire 30 years of doing research, I've really been focused on who responds to therapy and who doesn't. And uh, in people who you think they've responded well, and relapse, why did that happen? And so I was, someone was asking me about all of this and, and I had to kind of come up with a summary and I just, it just hit me that what we were really studying was the, the biology of luck. And to put it in a way that most people will be able to relate with, we all know patients, friends, maybe yourself, who have been diagnosed with a cancer that should be easily curable and it's not. And then we know people who should do dismally and they do great. And what is that phenomena? Is it luck? Some people will say it's what I ate or my attitude, but there's probably something genetic, biological to it. And that's what we are studying. I don't disagree because it is interesting when you do come across patients and you, you hear their diagnosis, you hear what's going on. And some, like you say, do fabulous and others succumb to the disease quickly. I've never been able to put my arms around it at all. Again, you did this around four years ago that I saw it, and I can only imagine that things have changed. I'm guessing there's been quite a few changes since then in your world of research. And, and really what a lot drives all of this is a lot of technology, frankly, because the technology frames on types of questions you can ask. For example, let's say when we talk about this biology of luck, you can imagine a graph an X and a Y axis, and the X axis going up and down is the number of leukemia cells. The Y axis is over time. There are people who basically their disease does nothing, right? So that they stay up high. They're unfortunately doomed. There are people whose disease falls off the face of the earth quickly. And then these patients who go down and then come up, right? So what we used to think of how cancer occurred was a normal cell would get a series of mutations. So you'd get first mutation A, but that wasn't enough to give you cancer. And then you got mutation B, so now you have mutations in genes A and B, and that's not enough to give you cancer. But if you had, let's say, three A, B, and C, then that's the cancer. And then you grow all these cells, and they're all identical. By the time you're diagnosed with leukemia, you have a 1,000 billion leukemia cells in you. 
that's one order of magnitude more stars in, in the Milky Way. So it's kind of tough to think about getting rid of all the cells. So if all those billions and billions of cancer cells, if they're all the same, then you can kind of explain the top line. You just were, had bad luck and you have a series of mutations that make this cancer unkillable by chemotherapy. It also explains the other curve that disease goes away because you got lucky, you've got billions of cells, but they're all genetically the same and they all are sensitive. But it doesn't explain the curve of why things go down and then come up. That's the, the issue that we really need to kind of focus on. And we've got methods now of really looking at that disease state, so-called measurable residual disease, where by normal tests, you look like you're free of disease, but by more sensitive tests. And we can now detect one leukemia cell in a background of a million normal cells. Whereas if you looked in a microscope, your ability to find a leukemia cell in a normal cell would be about one in 20. So orders of magnitude more sensitive. And that's kind of allowing us to understand what's happening in these different glide planes that patients go through on therapy. Interesting. A day of your life at doing your research. When you wake up in the morning and you, <laughs> yeah. where do you start? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good question. My dad was kind of an inventor. I've always kind of thought about, I guess, more mechanical solutions to problems. You know, it's hard to know where, when, what inspires ideas, but you know, you make sure that you always have a, a three by five card in your pocket to write, write down things. Write down the notes. <laughs> it's for instance, we started probably in 2010, thinking about this problem of genetics of who does well and who doesn't well. And we sort of got the harebrained idea, well, when you're doing most of the work we do, where we're looking at millions of cells and we grind them up, if there really are different subsets of clones of cells there, if they're not just one monolith of a thousand billion cells, but if they're genetically related, sort of like a family tree, you'll never understand that by just grinding up everything together, right? Right. So we thought, well, could we start looking at single cells and actually doing genotyping on single cells, one cell after another? And then we had to kind of figure out, well, how are we going to do that? And the first ones were just by brute force. I mean, we, there was ways that you can separate cells one by one, and you have a plate with 384 wells with one cell in each of them. And then you basically have to grind through and do by manually, step by step. So you do thousand different cells to see how many different related families there are actually are. I tell my the people in the lab, I have like one good idea a year, so let's not blow it if I can. <laughs> well, you're, you're describing, is this kind of the foundation of targeted therapy? I, I kind of lump immunotherapy, targeted therapy, precision medicine. I so, tend to lump those all together. Conceptually, yes. Yeah. So, so what targeted therapy, precision medicine, all those things get down to is we now have ways to understand which specific mutations happen in which patients. That is done, again, usually just by grinding up the whole tumor and doing the analysis when they're diagnosed. And what targeted therapy amounts to is using that information and basically pharma manufacturing drugs that will be specific to affect that mutation. And so uh, what's a big effort now at the NCI and the like is to really have a program in, in the leukemias where a patient walks in the door, you don't just treat them all the same way. You basically do rapid measuring of the mutations that are involved in that patient, which you can do within 72 hours. And then you pick a trial based on what their mutational profile is. So that's the starting point. And then the next point where we get down to understanding sort of the cancer ecosystem is probably what happens in cancer, that thing I described where patients respond and don't respond. 
is if you imagine that, that each cancer isn't this one monolith of a billion, billions and billions of cells, but if you have related populations, some of those may compete with each other, some may cooperate with each other, and they probably have different susceptibilities to chemotherapy. You can imagine when you initially respond, those are the sensitive clones of disease going away. What that does though, is it creates more space, more nutrients for the more resistant clones to grow. So the cancer is just using natural selection in its favor. And so when that happens, it's not a surprise that the resistant clones pop back up because the sensitive clones were taking up most of the space, they're gone, and now the bad clones have more food to eat, more places to grow. So what we're going to be able to do by some of these single cell methods, I think, is using sensitive techniques, we'll be able to say, when someone is remission, no, you still have disease, and then say, and here is exactly the genetic characteristics of the ones that are left over. Now let's retarget based on that. So I think what will happen is we'll learn how to understand natural selection and use it in our favor instead of against us. Is that safe to assume here that you're going away from quote unquote standard of care then and moving more to individualized medicine? Yeah, I think that's that's the hope of all of us is that we will be able to really tailor as much as possible a person's regimen to what their disease needs wow. and, and be able to reassess in many, many time points to see if there is still some residual disease there and modified therapy as need be. Interesting. I've always heard that a person's cancer is unique as their own thumbprint. Even though that may be the case, standard of care tends to preside over how people get treated. I think that's that's true because we're still really developing right. the tools and getting the But there is a huge amount of of energy in this space. I keep hearing that as well. And give us a time frame. What do you think? What could be realistic for moving this dial a little more further to the right? Yeah. So I can only talk about my typical disease space, which is leukemias. Huge effort going on at the NCI right now to to do this precision medicine. Those trials will be starting up next year. And those will all be very short trials, like two-year trials to kind of move agents through the the pipeline faster and faster. I think we're going to see a major change in how we strategically treat patients uh, within five years. Wow. That's game-changing stuff. That's for sure. When I was diagnosed with stage three non-small cell lung cancer, which was 13 years ago, I was told by my performing surgeon in the post-op meeting, because I was deemed inoperable while I was on the table, that I had a year, maybe two to live. And then in following up with my oncologist, he took a slightly different approach. He says, Randy, I'm going to be treating you with an intent to cure, which I remember thinking at the time, as opposed to what, you know, but um, it was game changing. And again, for me, when I reached five years, I remember my oncologist saying, you've made a pretty major milestone. And then when I hit 10 years, he said, you're cured. I still have to go see him every year, which I don't mind. I was just in for my annual just a couple of weeks ago and all systems are clear. So like I say, it's, it's a very individualized experience. But when you were talking about relapse, again, one of the things that he shared with me was, well, you want to be able to hopefully live long enough so that you are here when they have the next best thing as far as treatment goes. If what you're talking about as far as coming down the pike as quickly as they are, it's a really positive thing for a lot of, a lot of people. No, I think it's a fantastic time to be doing this. And we haven't even touched on the whole immunotherapy right. breakthrough happening where you're trying to harness your own immune system, which sometimes has declared a truce with the cancer. 
and then basically creative ways where it can actually uh, recognize the, the cancer as being foreign and, and take care of it. So I think that things come in waves in this business, and I think we're, we're on a we're on a good big wave. In talking about this next step, you've kind of touched on what the current state of affairs are. Is there a, any specific breakthroughs that you're uncovering? There are so many breakthroughs in the cancer world that it's that it's really hard to, to, okay. to list them all. It's obviously a hard thing, right? So, so if you, there's been a lot of smart people doing research, right? Right. And if every one of them contributed 1% in their lifetime independently to cure, these diseases would all be obsolete. That tells you how big of a problem this is. But just in my, in the last 10 years, we've turned a disease that chronic myeloid leukemia, one of the diseases I work on, we turned a disease where the average lifespan was seven years. And uh, now within a decade, with some of the new therapeutics we have and the like, the average lifespan is the same as a normal population. That's what targeted therapy can do. That's pretty amazing. That's game-changing stuff. And I'm really, all of us are very appreciative of the work that you're putting in and with all your colleagues and everybody else around the world that's it's focused on this. This is truly, truly Happy amazing. To, Happy to do it. And that's a good thing. You were diagnosed with lung cancer not too terribly long ago. How are you doing? Yeah, it was four years ago. I had a very rare type of lung cancer, which surgically was removed. And so every, used to be every six months, but now it's every year I have bronchoscopy can be done. And so far, so good. Well, that's great to hear. Glad to hear you're functioning and doing all the great stuff that you're doing. And we will look forward to speaking to you again in the not too distant future. If somebody needs to get a hold of you, what's your best email? My actually best email is jradich at mac.com. Okay, everyone stay safe and sane. Yeah, no kidding. Thank you for listening to C-Sessions. If you love this podcast, please give us a five-star rating. That helps us get seen. Share with your friends, family, coworkers, anybody who might be affected by cancer, which, as we know, is actually everybody. Thank you for rating and sharing this podcast. 